Thanks for tuning in to The Value of Leadership, a podcast where we connect with fellows in the Aspen Global Leadership Network, leaders from around the world, as they get vulnerable, share lessons learned, mistakes made, and how the values they've honed in on are expressed in their actions. Today, we're diving into the leadership journey of the woman at the helm of the Aspen Institute's Finance Leaders Fellowship, Kara Gustafson. As the new executive director, Kara is mobilizing a global community of finance industry leaders for a journey that ignites their passion and directs their skills and talents towards solving some of society's most complex challenges. Fellows include people like the CEO of S&P Dow Jones Indices, CFO of General Mills, a managing director of Morgan Stanley, the recently nominated director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency for the White House, and the head of enforcement at the New York Stock Exchange. And that's just to name a few. So what does the finance industry, a sector often knocked for causing harm and distrust, and the leaders of it, have to do with catalyzing positive social change? Kara says a lot, and she knows firsthand what the potential is as a member of the founding team of Goldman Sachs's corporate philanthropy work, a role she held for 15 years that transformed the way big banks made philanthropic investments. On this episode, Kara shares what it's like to lead in this new movement that prioritized social return alongside financial return, and what continues to call her to this work. When I first met the co-founders of the Finance Leaders Fellowship, Ranji Nagwaswamy and Chris Varelis, I immediately felt that this was an opportunity that was really the culmination of everything that I've done in my career to date, both in the broad impact sector, but also the finance industry. I've spent the past 20 years sitting at the intersection of these two industries. And just prior to taking this role, I had founded my own impact advising firm working with Fortune 500 and pre-IPO companies across a range of industries and sectors to help them understand how to connect their business mission and purpose and leadership to uh, broader impact and societal good. And before that, I had started my career at Goldman Sachs. I spent 15 years at the firm. And so from my experience there, you know, I understand deeply the role that business plays, particularly the role that a financial institution plays in investing in and growing societies and communities and thinking about the greater good. At Goldman, you know, I had a front row seat as an early architect in what is today a really growing impact space. I spent 10 years as part of the founding team who took the very early work of the Goldman Sachs Foundation back in 2007, 2008, and really pivoted it into a strategic, high-impact, multi-billion dollar philanthropic investing platform. And the work that we did there, we anchored our initial investments and programs in research and data and set out to find a white space where we could use our people, our capital, our ideas to invest in economic growth and create positive change in the communities where we were working and where we were living. This was a real pioneering move at the time, making this pivotal shift and how we were approaching this space in a very non-traditional way. One of the most pivotal moments for me personally 
was the day that we announced our first $100 million commitment to a new initiative that we were going to build from scratch and invest in the economic empowerment of women, a program called 10,000 Women. And I remember this day vividly sitting in the Columbia Library in New York City and listening to our chairman and CEO at the time stand up and say that investing in women is smart economics. So that declaration fundamentally changed this issue from being a moral case, which of course it was one, to an economic case. That is what started to change the dialogue. If women around the world, particularly in developing and emerging markets, were not participating in the labor force, were not receiving access to education, opportunities, networks, capital, economies were not going to grow equally. And that has really framed how I think about the work that I've done in this space and continue to do, and how do I think about the impact that either I want to make as a leader or how organizations and leaders that I'm advising can have an impact, that their leadership plays a major role in stewarding these decisions. And, you know, over the past 20 years, this space has really turned to data and research and understanding economic implications. And when you're going to deploy these resources in a significant way, well, you have to have a solid business case to really back that up. Data presents a very clear picture. And this has been a huge shift and philanthropy has had a major evolution, moving away from traditional forms of charity and writing checks and putting names on buildings and being compelled just by the moral obligation. Today, it is viewed as an investment. And when you're investing millions or billions of dollars, when you're carving out a part of your team's time or employee's time, you're going to apply the same investment lens as you would on any other investment decision that you're going to make at that caliber. The difference here is how you measure your return. It's not about financial return, it's about social return. So what is the impact that you're having on an issue? How is that supported by the data or the research that that sort of led you here? And so this mindset has really changed and companies have started to, over the past several years, anchor in research and data to drive their strategic philanthropic investments and other investments as, you know, when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion, environmental responsibility, data and research are being used to understand, you know, not just the impact that they can make, but the unique impact that they can make in a white space. This has been coupled with, you know, an accelerated shift generationally, the transparency that technology has brought along with it, and, you know, just the growing sentiment that with technology and generational shift coming together, that there is a larger role for corporations to play. That generational change was really one of the driving factors that challenged me when I was at my own inflection point after 15 years at Goldman Sachs. And I was thinking about where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do next and where I saw, you know, new white spaces emerging. And 
At the time, we were going through a leadership transition at the CEO level. So I could have waited it out for the new CEO to come in and see what the next wave of innovation would be over the course of the next few years, maybe be a lifer and spend another 15 years at the firm. Or I could have gone to do something entirely new and different and jumped into different size companies or working with entrepreneurial leaders. And so after building a platform where, you know, we invested $2 billion philanthropically and $5 billion of the firm's capital, I chose to, you know, go work with other size companies and to bring all of that to new organizations and, and new leaders. And it's been incredibly gratifying. When making any big decision, a leader might have to deal with trade-offs, efficiency versus community, liberty versus equality. We asked Kara what trade-offs were necessary when it came to injecting social impact into business objectives. Fortunately for me, sort of, I never really felt a trade-off in terms of the work that I was doing at Goldman Sachs. We were early architects of this work. We had a lot of wind at our back. We had enormous amounts of capital, enormous amounts of resources, very smart and talented people. We had a global reach. We may not have been experts in entrepreneurship or women's economic empowerment, but we had the ability to convene the best and brightest partners in this space. We had all of the tools at our disposal and it's what we did with that, which was so exciting. Those 10 years really went by in a flash, you know, when you think about trade-offs, what, what is a trade-off, right? You know, I got out of bed every day and, you know, was so motivated by the work that I was doing. That's what fulfilled me. What I was doing was new and innovative and groundbreaking. And to be part of an opportunity like that, you know, really feels like it can be a once in a career kind of moment. And so, you know, I always, maybe it's the optimist in me, but, um, always trying to sort of think about what are those trade-offs and, and how do you sort of make the most of them? I think it goes back to my, my upbringing was, you know, pretty simple growing up in a, a small town. And, you know, my, my parents really sort of taught us the importance of an education, of hard work and being kind and empathetic to people. And that's what, you know, I bring with me anywhere, anywhere that I go. And for me, that has led me down this path. I sort of think about how can you lead through a lens of impact? How can you help others see that it's not just about financial return, but societal return is equally as important. And so I think that those are the leadership traits that I really think about. I always think back to Warren Buffett was on the advisory council of one of our initiatives. And he would speak a lot at the graduations. And I had the privilege to, to ride with him to one of the graduations. And he was telling me that he had never spoken at a, a graduation before, aside from Sing Sing, the prison, which I thought was ironic. And the entrepreneurs loved, you know, sitting there listening to his story and trying to sort of understand which business he was talking about when he talked about, you know, meeting someone when they had started their business with $2,000 in their pocket and sold 
sold it to him for 60 million. But he always sort of talked about the idea of entrepreneurship and, you know, sort of the combination of entrepreneurship and the determination to succeed. And that sometimes you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You may not even know how to sort of read or write or ever run a business before, but the determination to succeed can create some of the, the, the most success that you can have. The way that hard work and perseverance and the determination to find the solution and to create success and to do it in a way that has a positive impact in the world is what has, has always motivated me. And now all of that has come full circle to the Aspen Institute and the extraordinary opportunity to work with our fellows on these issues. Born out of the 2008 financial crisis, the Finance Leaders Fellowship was founded as a solution to build back the broken trust between the financial industry and society. Now with 87 fellows in 19 countries around the world and about to select its fifth class, Kara sees the potential for the fellowship, a program that awakens values-driven leadership across the industry, to tackle the unique and compounding challenges facing all of us in 2021. It's interesting because when the Finance Leaders Fellowship Program was founded, when Ranji was coming out of her experience in the Henry Crown Fellowship, she was thinking deeply about the financial crisis and post-crisis, the trust that needed to be built and continued to be built between the industry and society. So much of that was focused on the aftermath of the crisis, the new regulatory changes, the industry at large, the huge lack of understanding between the complexity of what the industry is and does and what society understands. The world is changing. We're at a tipping point and 2020 and 2021 has shown us that, whether it's economic recovery from COVID-19, racial justice and equality, environmental responsibility and climate resilience or an acceleration around ESG. We need the leaders who are part of one of the largest and most important industries who understand and move the levers of capital to be invested in and thinking about how they can lead with values and purpose, how they can use their seats and positions of influence to contribute more positively to society broadly. And I fundamentally believe that if we don't invest in and involve the financial leaders of the world, we won't achieve the kind of societal impact that is critical right now. And so we are at this unique and pivotal moment and in many ways much more challenging than the one when I was at Goldman. We have a whole new set of challenges today. You know, typically it's one crisis to focus the decade on. We have multiple moments that we really need to think about what the next decade looks like and beyond. And so, you know, again, the responsibility and potential is enormous. And this fellowship is really fertile ground to bring together leaders in the industry to you know, wrestle with these questions and take action towards greater change. I 
I think what is most inspiring to see in, in terms of the work that's coming out is the work that's being done around racial equity and ESG. I think that what's so unique and interesting about the Finance Leaders Fellowship is we have an entire industry going through the program. And so there's great overlap in the venture projects that fellows are choosing. And we're starting to see these clusters form around different ventures. And it's exciting to think about the fellowship's impact, you know, of course, on the individual level for the individual ventures, but that's now starting to translate into a more macro narrative around efforts that are taking place around ESG, efforts taking place around racial justice and equality and, and other categories. But those are two that I think that there are really great things coming together. You know, I think with with any of the fellowships at the Aspen Institute, you know, being a place where the Institute at large is committed to creating a free and just and equitable society that really sort of translates into all of the fellowship programs, certainly the finance leaders fellowship program. And we are really committed to thinking about how the leadership journey that our fellows are going on can meet the challenges of the times that we're living in to play a role in thinking about what are the challenges that are um, being faced right now globally, whether it's societal or industry, and how can we come together to use the industry as a force for greater good and to cultivate a new kind of action through the work that they're doing with their leadership impact ventures and in their day-to-day -day jobs as well. I think, you know, there's, there's a quote that always sticks with me and has, I think, really, in every twist and turn of my career in the work that I've done, it's your road and yours alone. Others may walk it with you, but no one can walk it for you. And those are Rumi's words. Those are not mine, but they really resonate with me because, you know, you have to take leaps forward in your career, no matter what point you're at in it. I think that can be an obvious statement. But for me, it's really been important to always keep in mind, you know, I was working in the finance industry and saw an opportunity inside of uh, a large institution to have a positive impact. I had never really spent time in social impact before, but had taken that leap because I was so motivated by the work that we could do. You know, no one had really recommended that role to me as I was thinking about what was next in my career. They were supportive. They were walking it with me, but I had to take that leap and do it for myself. For me, I think that was a really great moment in having an interest in realizing that I could participate in something that was going to build women's education programs or small business programs. And this idea that providing new tools and ideas and epiphanies to the entrepreneurs that I was working with so that they could generate new roads that they wanted to walk on and really creating this fertile ground for new ideas. That was exciting to me. And I fast forward all these years later, the idea of taking on this role in the Finance Leaders Fellowship and taking these ideas and giving fellows space to reflect on their own road and their own path. You know, we're all walking together, 
but ultimately no one can walk this road for you. And so it comes down to individual reflection and you have to be the author of your own story and and you have to do things on your own. And so the opportunity to give other leaders the space to think, the tools to write and sort of this place to spark new and entrepreneurial ideas and in new ways is a huge privilege. That's it for this episode of The Value of Leadership. You can learn more about the Finance Leaders Fellowship at agln.aspeninstitute.org slash fellowships slash finance leaders. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more about how the finance industry is making social change, check out our last episode where we talked to four fellows who collaborated to launch the National Black Bank Foundation and Fund, tandem initiatives nurturing Black-owned banks in order to close the racial wealth gap. And don't forget to subscribe to The Value of Leadership wherever you get your podcasts. The Value of Leadership is a podcast from the Aspen Institute's Aspen Global Leadership Network, AGLN. AGLN's mission is to develop authentic, high-integrity leaders, people who are committed to proactively confronting societal challenges, individually and collectively, in order to create a more just, free, and equitable society. And fellows are putting their values to work all across the globe. To learn more about the network and the work of our fellows, visit agln.aspeninstitute.org. Special thanks to everyone who made this episode possible. Kara Gustafson, Joey Blumenfeld, Ashley Slero, Phil Havayana, and Colby Hartberg. I'm your host, Samantha Cherry. Thank you for listening.